for children's ministry. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we are... Uh, we're going to have to stop green pastures at some point here, probably this week or next week. But uh, we're still in our series on green pastures. Uh, the Lord is our shepherd. Uh, we have everything we need. We shall not want. And so uh, let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into the scriptures. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a good God, that you have good plans. Every thought that you have towards us, every plan that you have towards us is for good, for a great hope, for a future. Father, we thank you that you are good in every way. Father, we pray right now that you will open the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our spirit, that we may see and know what you have done in Christ, what you have provided for us, and who you've made us to be, and what our inheritance is. Father, I thank you for everything that you have provided. I thank, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus and the price that was paid that each and every one of us wouldn't just be um, children that are far from you, but we would be those who are right in your presence, in fellowship with you, walking with you, fulfilling your plan and your purpose, and fulfilled in following you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to start out and read about uh, three or four scriptures uh, concerning the provision of the Lord, and uh, then we're going to talk about faith a little bit, and then we're going to get right into um, the main text I was trying to get to all last week, which is in Philippians chapter 4, so just so you're laughing at me, so just agree with me that we're going to get there Amen. in Jesus' name. We just follow as the Lord leads. Um, Deuteronomy 8.18, Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, something wrong with me? Deuteronomy 8.18, but you should remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto your fathers as it is this day. For it is he, that is God, that gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. Now, you know, um, you really got to go back about four weeks to, to understand, but I'll just mention it. And, uh, you know, money is not good or evil. Money is a tool. The best way to think of money is a tool, a resource. It's uh, something that you can use. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So before you kind of get into, whoa, the Lord wants me wealthy. Well, that's really good, and that's very true. And he wants you wealth, why? That he may establish his covenant in the earth. In other words, he has made a covenant with man, and that covenant came uh, through Abraham, and that covenant included the provision of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, uh, that all of your needs, uh, financial needs, physical needs, material needs, mental needs are met. But when we think of material things and financial things, well, we never put money first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Now, I don't know if you've experienced this or not. Well, you probably have experienced it, and you don't even realize it. But you know, you can have your needs met, and you can have more than enough money for the need, and that is not prosperity. 
Because prosperity uh, carries with it the idea that you have a prosperous journey. And on your journey or your path or what you're accomplishing, maybe that, that one thing, it's not just about the money. The money is a material manifestation of the prosperity that the Lord has done in your heart. So you can have the money without the prosperity and commit suicide or have severed relationships or be unsatisfied. So in other words, what, it, what is it? The, <laughs> the blessing of the Lord will make you rich and add no sorrow with it. You know, you get rich without the blessing of the Lord. And what is that? Well, you got to look out for covetousness. Because it doesn't matter how much you have materially, you'll always want more. That's ungodly. Contentment is godly. Contentment is godly. Okay, so I just have to preface that because... Um, I have flesh just like you have flesh. So God is the God of increase. But uh, you should have no other gods before Jehovah God. So, so you could easily say like, oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? What kind of message is this? Like, I don't want to be poor anymore. I can get everything my, my eyes want. Well, that would come with a lot of sorrow. Okay, I don't have time to go into that any further, but you can go back to that message about four weeks ago if you want to go more into that. So you understand, number one, you get your heart right concerning the Lord. One of the greatest ways to get your heart right concerning the Lord is to be a generous giver because your, your giving will affect your heart. Your giving will affect your heart. Uh, David said in First Chronicles 29, I've prepared uh, basically with all of my my might to give into the house of God or the things of the house of God because of his heart. And so um, Deuteronomy 8.18, it is God that gives you power to get wealth. So you should remember him. Remember the Lord your God because he's the one that gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. Well, if he's given you power to get wealth, how could he be against you being wealthy? Right? The Lord told Brother Hagin one time, you know, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. I'm not opposed to them being rich, abundantly supplied that you have more than enough. In fact, that is the will of God for you financially. The will of God for you is not that you barely make it and that you have to live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, I love, you know, one of my most favorite giving scriptures is in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I think we read verse 7 and 8, but then I think it is uh, verse 9 or might be uh, maybe verse 8. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, say always, always. having all sufficiency. That means you, you have what you need in every need that you have uh, in all things may abound to every good work. And so one of the reasons I, I, that, that verse is so uh, special to my heart is because uh, I didn't know for many, uh, many years of my uh, life as a believer that the scriptures actually taught that the Lord wants you to be financially blessed. 
And then when I saw that, I started to see, like, well, he does. And uh, why? Well, one of the primary reasons is we can support the spread of the gospel. If, if you don't have money, how can you give it? Right? How can you sow it? But then, you know, there was a little uh, question, I think, because of... Uh, things I had heard in uh, different uh, religious type of circles, there was a little question like, okay, so, you know, the Lord really wants me to have just a sliver, barely make it so I can, because in my way of thinking, which was an unrenewed mind way of thinking, there's a limited amount of money in the world. That's not biblical thinking, that's my thinking, okay? So there's a limited amount of money. And so, if, I, if the Lord uh, gives me a certain amount of money and I take that money and I give it to the work of the Lord, I have less. Well, that's not what the scriptures say. Actually, he that sows generously will reap also generously. And then this verse became special to me because all of a sudden I saw God is able to make all grace. He's talking about the grace of giving actually and receiving. Uh, abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things can give into every good work. And I saw that and I thought, oh, wait a second. The Lord is not stupid. If I can't afford to feed my children, how in the world can I, can I give to every good work? Right? You know, and you know my testimony when we first started the church, like I was choosing between uh, feeding my children and... Um, sewing from the church account because, you know, at that time, I don't know, I think we were making like 26000 a year, like total, you know, and our mortgage was like 1800 a month. And so if you figure that out and break that out, that's like, that's not a lot. And, uh, but the Lord put on my heart, you know, you can uh, basically uh, tithe on what you make or tithe on what you want to make. Well, okay, don't get technical. Technical tithe is 10%, so you really can't tithe over 10%. Anything over 10%, you're sowing seed. Well, you're not sowing seed until you tithe, okay? Anyhow, so I said, well, I looked at the church finances, and I have people come, and they say, uh, hey, pastor, we need to buy this, and I wouldn't say anything. I said, oh, okay, praise the Lord. I just smile, and I'm thinking, you know, if we buy that this week, we're not eating this week. And, uh, and uh, I said, praise the Lord, money will come. So... Uh, So, you know, the Lord put on my heart, like, uh, what do you need? And so I looked at the church finances and figured out what we needed. Not bare minimum, not like, oh, this will just scrape by, but it wasn't like extravagant at all. It was like, okay, we can buy some of those things that people keep asking me, can we buy? You know, so I need, you know, maybe an extra thousand a month that we can do some capital expenditures on just to get a few little things. And, um, and then I need to be able to feed my family and pay my bills. Uh, my electricity and all those type of things. And um, so uh, then we started tithing as a church. We always tithe and gave offerings, but then I was specific. I started tithing, not the offerings, but the tithing from the church uh, on that amount. And you know, within 30 days, money started coming. And then it came like in big chunks. And then uh, we were able to eat and be taken care of and all of that. But I'll tell you what, when I was doing it, Literally, I was tithing from the church, you know, because if the money's not in the church budget, then we don't get paid. So I was tithing from the church the money I knew that we needed to buy groceries that week. And I said, well, the Lord will provide. 
but then uh, we made it. My wife found out, like, uh, she's like, somebody told her, like, when you think you don't have any food, just go to your cabinets, and then you can, like, uh, you still have it. And so we did that for, like, we did it multiple different times during that season. And, uh, you know, somebody brought us groceries, which we didn't expect, and that was a huge blessing. And so the Lord provided, and then all of a sudden the finances came, and then it was not an issue, and then the church had just gone up, up, up from there. So uh, it's, it's kind of cool that the word actually works. Uh, and so God is able to make all grace, that was a grace, all grace abound towards you. God is able to make all grace, every kind of favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance is what Amplified says. If you back up one chapter to chapter 8, uh, you see in verse 7, Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, utterance, knowledge, and your diligence, and your love to us, see to it that you abound in this grace also. What's he talking about? Well, back up to verse 1. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 8, 2 Corinthians, says, uh, Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant of the grace of God that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. So then in verse 7, he said, As you abound in all these other things, see to it that you abound in this grace also. What grace is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the grace that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. The grace that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. How in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their poverty... And their, uh, excuse me, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. Or in other words, they had great affliction. The gospel there in, in the Macedonian region, uh, you know, uh, people would like physically attack you when you're preaching the gospel. And, and that's what they did to Paul even when he came in. And uh, the, their abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, it says, abounded or added up to them being generous givers. That doesn't make any sense to the natural mind, right? Like, you're greatly afflicted. You know, the Bible doesn't say that if you're in this room this morning, you got lots of tests and trials and affliction, and then you're super, super poor. You're exempt from this. You're exempt from giving because you're having such a tough time. You know, you make so little, you don't have to pay any taxes. We'll actually give you money. That's not what the Bible says. Well, that's probably what I would say if I didn't have it in the Bible, right? And we do help people, you know, uh, that are part of the church. They're in a a challenging situation at different times. Uh, We always check up on you. You know, make sure that uh, you're not uh, uh, just trying to get a free buck, you know, type of thing or whatever. Anyhow. It's amazing how creative people are sometimes. So, no, it says they gave generously. Well, what happened? Well, if you, if, I'm going to take the time because I want to get to Philippians, but if you keep reading and you go all through there, Well, you find out that in chapter 8, the Macedonian believers gave out of their lack. But they gave in faith. That's how you give joyfully, because there's a joy. With joy, we draw water from the wells of salvation. And there's, uh, Peter says, there's joy in believing, right? So when you believe, even if you're in deep poverty, you can give 
and be full of joy. And you will if you're believing. And so uh, my personal experience with that is we went to, um, well, not only the one I just told you, because in that time, you know, uh, I had an opportunity, a, a friend called up and said uh, that I used to work with. It's, it's kind of funny how you can challenge someone else and help them. So I got out of the military before he did, and I, I made a certain salary when I got out. And uh, when he heard I made that salary, he's like, well, I can, I can make more than that then because I know you. He's a friend that's always, uh, always teasing, you know. But it really helped him, and so then he, he made more money. So uh, we were both in IT uh, career field at that point. And uh, we were both in intelligence, and then when we got out, we both went into IT. He went into IT because he saw I could do it, and he thought if I could do it, he could do it. So anyhow, if I can help you in any way, I'm happy to help you. <laughs> I should just be like, hey, uh, can I have a little cut of that? Or Anyhow. Uh, so thank God for the Holy Ghost uh, so he thought well uh, if he can do that then I can do that and so he called me up and we were talking during this time and uh, I think he said how, how, how much are you money are you getting well not very much you know and he said well he said I'll give you a job if you want uh, making 90000 a year, working remotely, but you got to travel about, I think it was 60% of the time uh, during the week. Well, I'd have to miss Wednesday services. And so I prayed about that, but that sounded really good, honestly. I thought, well, that, that's pretty good, you know. And uh, uh, church wasn't super large then, and so uh, you probably should work. And, uh, but every time I go to prayer, the Lord said, I want your time. And I said, okay, Lord, but, you know, uh, church is smaller, and then I would be sitting in some meetings, and the Lord, uh, you know, uh, people from the pulpit would say things. Like, it doesn't matter the size of your church. And I'm like, and that would register on my spirit. And, uh, okay, and every time I go to pray, I really honestly tried uh, to get the Lord to let me do a job. Because up to that point in my life, maybe a few years before that, some missions trips the Lord put on my heart, I don't want you to take the money that you make to go on this mission trip. I want you to believe me for it. And then uh, it came in. More than enough came in. And uh, so the Lord was really training me. Uh, maybe I didn't realize it. Like, uh, it doesn't always have to be through what I do that the, that the money comes in that way. And so, um, so every time I'd pray about it, and I talked to Pastor Mark, who was my pastor, Mark Hankins, and uh, he said, well, normally, he's like, but if the Lord is leading you to go that way, you know, you need to follow what the Lord's telling you to do. So he did uh, uh, lead me that way. And so then when all of this, uh, the money started coming in, I tell you what, in James chapter 1 where it says, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith does something in you. It creates what the Greek, uh, Greek word hoopamone. It's like endurance is where it's translated, but what it, it's not just endurance like, Years ago, I was talking about this endurance, and somebody came to me after the service and said, I don't believe in faith that you just endure. And I said, well, you're not understanding the definition of endurance. Because, uh, you know, there is a kind of cultural thing where, like, you know, um, after the 4th of July, if you go to D.C. and you're going to take the metro back, you're going to have to endure a long line. So what kind of picture is that? That's not a 
Doesn't sound like a picture of faith. And that's not a picture of faith. But that's not this word endurance. This word endurance actually carries with it the idea that if there is a storm coming, I'm from the Midwest, so a lot of times you have like strong winds and snow blowing right at you, and you, you just you turn away like this, especially uh, when we lived in Grand Rapids area for a while, we go up to the Lake Michigan shore in the winter, and the sand would then be beating on your face with the snow and the cold air, and you're just, you're just turning away like this. And so you could think, like, I turn away and I'm walking, you know, and trying to get to where I'm supposed to go. That's not endurance. What this word endurance means is in that type of situation, whether physically or spiritually or emotionally or mentally, instead of turning away like this, the Holy Spirit himself gives you the power to stop, grab your footing, look forward, and walk right on in the midst of those challenges and those trials. And so Paul's saying, count it all joy when you face all kind of tests and trials because you know it's actually working something in you that's, that's greater than what your mind really realizes. This is why you count it all joy. You're like, this is good for me. Uh, this is going to make me stronger. What? In faith and trust in the Lord. So then he says, I think over in verse 5 of, of James chapter 1, he says that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And that is the scripture for what the Lord did in my heart in that season. That, that when there was no natural way, that, that, that there was no, like nobody was calling me up saying, we want to send you a bunch of money. We want to support you. We want to do all this type of stuff. You know, and people might have known uh, if they asked, like, how come we're not buying the stuff that we need to buy for the church? If they could think a little bit, they might figure it out or not. I don't know. But... Nobody really knew. My wife knew. And my children probably didn't even know. And so, um, boy, w w when you step out like that and then you just watch the Lord provide, when you're in, I could probably say, I was in deep poverty. And, uh, you know, the Lord shows up and you're like, whoa, this is better than any amount of money. This is better than 90000 a year. Even tax-free. Why? Because you're like, I want nothing. And whatever I want, the Lord will provide. So when COVID showed up, you know, I had thoughts come to my head as a pastor, you know, because you can't have church in person. Like together, we're in the school system like we are now. And, uh, you know, the school system just said no. <laughs> and I said, well, can we just use the parking lot? No. And then... Uh, you know, there's opportunity for a certain uh, location at someone's house, but there, was, there were other uh, uh, things going on there where that was not a possibility. They thought it was, but it wasn't. And so uh, we're just like, we can't meet. And so the first thought is like, you know, you're kind of like, ooh, what's not the first thought, but a thought that's floating around. You're kind of like, hmm, wonder what's going to happen. You think, uh, I don't know, how much do we have in the bank account? <laughs> And then I thought back about when we didn't have any money in the account. And then I remembered. Oh, I remember what you did. We didn't know where the money was coming from. I like, we've been down this road before. I know exactly what's going to happen. I know exactly what's going on. And instead of uh, uh, going backwards, and instead of maintaining financially, we went forward financially during the pandemic. The Lord provides. The Lord provides.
And so, like the Macedonian believers, you, you be in deep poverty, what your um, emotions want to do for somebody like that is, here, let me just pay for everything. And it's good. The Bible teaches, and we give to the poor, and we do that, and, and you, you help out. Uh, but boy, if you want to see a poor person's life transformed, do what Jesus did. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, right? And Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the... Anybody can quote it? Poor. Do you know that scripture? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To preach the gospel to the poor. So... Uh, he gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor, the good news to the poor. Um, Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord makes you rich and adds no sorrow with it. Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pro, uh, pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Let me read it slower. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually. I constantly say this. Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Well, why am I saying all this? Because uh, you must have faith for finances, and you cannot have faith if you do not receive the word. You have to hear the word in your heart. Actually hear it. You can hear it through your, through your ear. Okay, that, that's a start. But you must, you must grab hold of it with your spirit or with your heart and say, oh, I do believe that. That is true. And then generally what will happen when you do that is the next thing is thoughts will come from your experiences, and sometimes from the enemy himself, thoughts will start to come. Well, yeah, but you haven't experienced that. You know, and then sometimes the enemy will see to it that you have thoughts like, you probably need to pray more. It's because it's you don't pray. Uh, you don't read the Bible enough. It's because you don't read the Bible enough. Do you know what you did last week? Don't you remember what you did? You don't qualify. But the enemy always is trying to get you, and the flesh will as well, try to get you to identify with your ability, the things that you mess up, the things where you're not perfect in, because if he can get you to, to believe and declare that over yourself, he will dominate you. Because as a believer, Satan himself, I don't care any demon, any devil, Satan himself has no power over any believer. Unless that believer believes what he says, believes his lies, uh, yields to him, thinks, wow, you know, the devil's some big, powerful creature. And, you know, oh, yeah, God's there. God might provide so, and he does that through deception. And so he's tried to deceive and has deceived a portion of the church of Jesus Christ 
to believe that um, to have anything financially uh, means that you're not holy, you're not following the Lord, you're, you're messing up. Well, um, you know, finances are not an evidence of holiness, um, but they're also not an evidence of being ungodly. Because, there, there, you know, there were doctrines, and I don't have time to go into it right now. I believe it's in, it's in actually, in Timothy. Um, people were saying that godliness is um, a sign of holiness or that you're close to the Lord. And that's where he said godliness with contentment is great gain. And so you can't just say, like, oh, that person's very godly because they're very wealthy, right? Brother Hagin always taught, you know, go down the middle of the road. Don't get in the ditch on this side or the other side. So uh, some people say, well, you've got to be poor in order to be humble uh, and, and order to be holy. And other people say, well, you've got to be uh, wealthy. If you're not wealthy, you're not a man of God or a woman of God, and you're not following the Lord. And um, you will be abundantly provided for when you activate your faith and act on your faith that you get from the Word of God concerning financial provision. But, uh, you know, you can have faith in one area and not in another. And here I'd like to add, faith works by love. So if faith works by love, love is, 1 Corinthians 13, love is not puffed up. It does not parade itself, right? So if you're going to have faith for finances, you know, you're not believing God for money so you can show other people how wealthy you are. Like you can show off and say, hey, look at me. That's an ungodly attitude and an ungodly thought. The Lord gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant in the earth. That you're like, Lord, I'm trying to figure out how I can give more away. I mean, J.R. Letourneau down in uh, Longview, Texas. What did, he, what did he say? Do you know what he said? Anybody know Letourneau's story? Oh, you should read about Letourneau. So he, he wasn't uh, making hardly anything. And he said, Lord, you know, if you'll bless me, he said, I want to give 90% of my income into the church, into, the, into your works, you know, not just a local church, but I want to give 90%. You know what? I think if it was, if I remember correctly, the Lord gave him some dreams or visions, and he actually saw these massive earth movers. You ever seen the earth movers when they're, you know, if you're on 66 in the last five years, you've seen them. But uh, they kind of have two wheels on the back, I think, and two wheels on the front, and they're super long, and then they have this, like, uh, machine in the middle that goes kind of at an angle like that and it, it'll grab the dirt, scoop it up, put it in the machine and then move it to where it needs to go so you don't need a dump truck and an excavator. You're literally just moving all this. So he saw this from the Lord and he did this. And so long story short, multi, multi-millionaire and gives 90% of his income. And now they have a university in his name and, and, and all, uh, all of these things. And so the Lord, the Lord blessed him. But he didn't say, Lord, you know, if you, if you bless me, I'll just have a, a bigger house and a bigger, you know, more cars and, and all of these other material things. No, your heart's not right if that's your main goal. Your heart's not right if that's your main goal. But the Lord wants you, verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and God is able to make all grace abound to you that you always have all sufficiency in all things abound to every good work. The Lord wants you to have a great and fabulous uh, Piece of transportation, some type of automobile. I was going to say car, but, you know, you might want a truck. If you want a truck, you want you to have a truck, sure. Have a truck, whatever your desires are. You know, James said, 
uh, you don't have because you don't ask or because when you ask, you ask with the wrong motives that you may heap it on yourself. So the Lord is not against you having stuff, but he's against stuff having you. Anything that takes the place of the Lord in your life is not good for you. So, so you want to put God first always. And when you put God first, he has a, you put God first and you act in faith on his word, he will provide for you more than enough uh, over and above. All right, uh, 3 John 2. Uh, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Well, what is that? Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper. That is material financial prosperity, really, and, and also every other arena. And then he lists, and, and be in health, that's physical prosperity. That would include your mind, your emotions, uh, uh, even as your soul prospers. So he, even in the word right there, you find out you've got to get your spirit with the Lord. Your heart first must prosper. Once you get prosperity in your heart from the Lord, well, it, the um, material things will be an outflow of what's already happened in your heart. And, you know, Paul said here, I don't want you to be ignorant of the grace of God in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. I don't want you to be ignorant of the grace of God that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Now, those churches was the church at... Um, Philippi was the first church he came to. If you look at the, I didn't have a map up here, but I probably should have. Uh, first, when he crossed the sea there, he came to the church at Philippi, and then he came to the church at Thessalonica, and then he came to the church at Berea. And so those are the ch- three churches in the Macedonian region. So let's go over and finish in Philippians chapter 4, uh, the church at Philippi. And so this church, the book of Philippians, is written to one of those churches at Macedonia. Actually, the first church that Paul preached at in Macedonia it was the Philippian church. And so we're going to look at this. So remember, they had a great trial of affliction, deep poverty, and they were generous. Great trial of affliction, deep poverty, and they were generous. Joyfully generous. Well, the only way I know to be joyfully generous is to act in faith. So Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that at last your care for me has flourished again. And the margin of my Bible says is revived. He's talking about their financial giving. And just think about his travels while I'm reading this. Uh, Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can, listen to the context of this scripture that we all love to quote. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, you don't, nobody has to raise their hand or make any facial expression whatsoever. But the last time you had a financial challenge, did this come out of your mouth? I mean, I say this when I'm jogging. <laughs> I can do all things with Christ who takes me. It's true, it fits. You can use it for other things. I'm just saying the context is in financial pressure, challenging financial situations, right? And not just that, the context is, um, who is he talking to here? 
in Philippians. What kind of believers is he? He's talking to believers and believers at Philippi. Well, what kind of believers was he talking to? Believers who do what? I, this might be hard because I didn't lead you enough, but <laughs> givers. The Philippian believers were givers. And, and not just tithers, but they were seed sowers because they went beyond the tithe, right? So he's talking to givers. So if you're a giver, you, you just got to realize he's talking to me. Because yeah. sometimes people want to uh, quote verse 19, which is currently one of my most favorite verses. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, so, somebody come and, hey, will you pray with me? I, 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 I need these finances and... You know, well, if you just haul off and pray for them, don't find out anything that's going on. And you say, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You realize if they're not givers, you're taking the scripture out of context. He said this to givers. So if you come talk to me that you're, you want prayer for financial things, you know, the first thing I'm asking you is do you tithe? And if you want multiplied increase from the Lord, then I'm asking, are you a giver? I'm not trying to get in your business, but if you really want help, the best thing is not always just to start praying because uh, uh, sometimes that might be the best for a non-believer, but for a believer, especially if, if you're exposed to the word at all, you, you might need the word more than you need prayer. You need prayer to receive the word. Uh, but, uh, you know, especially you talk about different healing situations in people's bodies, sometimes what you need is revelation, knowledge of the word. Because healing and um, financial blessing from the Lord is a part of the package you get in redemption. And speaking of healing, if you're a believer and you have sickness that's remaining in your body or a disease that's remaining in your body, that's not scriptural. There's something hindering you from receiving because the Lord has it for you. So in other words, it's not right. And that's why when, when you have that in your body and you see like, wait a minute, there, there's healing, then you're kind of like, well, what's wrong with me? And well, what's going on? Well, it is the receiver part that is the problem, but not the way your mind and the enemy is trying to make you think. Because then you can kind of get like, oh, I'm horrible, and uh, I missed it, and I messed up, and how come? No, 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 no. If you believe, you receive. And, uh, but there's things that can hinder you from receiving. And um, you can pick those things up in prayer if you're sensitive in prayer. But when you just decide, I'm just going to pray and command this thing to go, like this sickness or this disease to go, uh, that might not be the main problem. It's really quiet, praise the Lord. Okay, Philippians uh, chapter 4, let's keep reading. Verse 12. Uh, now I know both, oh, I read that already. Let's go to verse 14. Notwithstanding, you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. In other words, I had a need and you gave. Verse 15. Now you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia... No church communicated with me as concerning, listen to this, giving and receiving, but you only. He said, no church communicated with me 
concerning giving and receiving. He doesn't mean no church wrote me a letter and said give and receive. He's mean, he means no church gave and received, and, and, and I received, except you only, right? And then he said, for even in Thessalonica, so there he said, no church communicated with me when I departed from Macedonia. So when he's outside the Macedonian region, they were the only church that supported him on his journeys outside Macedonia. What a privilege. Can you imagine? Wow. Uh, but you only. And then he said, verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again. So actually, when he was ministering in Thessalonica, they sent him uh, offerings twice in Macedonia. Okay? And uh, verse 17, not because I desire a gift. In other words, he's writing to the Philippian giving believers who are greatly afflicted in deep poverty, but gave out of joy. Why? Because the grace of God was bestowed upon them. So they tapped into this grace of God that God had given them, and it caused them to give, right? And it's a grace not only of giving, but giving and receiving. And he, then he's saying, you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm telling you this, not because I want you to give more. I, I desire not a gift, but I desire what? Fruit that may abound to your account. Well, what's he doing? Well, just like any wonderful minister would do. That I've seen that you've given and you've given again. And you've got to understand what the word of God promises. You've got to understand who God is. That uh, he's not a God that says, I want you to give and give and have less and less. Right? So let's keep going. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my necessity. Not because I desire a gift. I'm not saying this because I desire a gift. But I desire that fruit may abound to your account. He's saying, but I have all. I abound. I've got more than enough. I am fully supplied. It's no problem. Like, don't misunderstand why I'm telling you this. I want you to understand why I'm telling you this. This is for you. This is that fruit may abound in your account. Well, that means that fruit won't abound in your account automatically. You must activate your faith, your believer, right? I mean, it's there. Uh, he said, I want fruit to abound to your account. He said, I'm full. I received from Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, well-pleasing and acceptable to God. So in other words, he wants them to understand that their giving affects their heavenly account, but their giving affects God himself. And it's like a sweet fragrance. It's a wonderful aroma. So not only that, but that actually tells you that your giving comes up before the Lord. Do you remember Cornelius? Cornelius. The angel, an angel was sent to Cornelius, right? And what did the angel say? Cornelius, your prayers and your giving have come up before the Lord. Cornelius was not a Christian. But what happened? As a result of his giving, his whole house got born again or saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Don't tell me your giving doesn't affect your spiritual life. Right. Right. Don't tell me your giving doesn't affect your spiritual life. A lot of people accept my giving will affect my spiritual life, but they will not accept my giving will affect my financial life. Well, he's saying right here, I'm not saying this, what I'm getting ready to say, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to givers and I'm not saying this for my benefit. I'm saying this for your benefit, that fruit may abound to your account. 
It's a sweet smell. It's a savor to the Lord. Um, Well-pleasing to God. And now verse 19. So I looked that word but up. The word but, B-U-T. But. Some translations say and. But the meaning is, uh, to me, it's more of a but. But my God. In other words, you gave when I was outside Macedonia. You gave again when I was in Thessalonica. You gave again when I was in Thessalonica. I, I'm, I'm, I'm abounding. I have all of my needs met. And so if I'm a giver from Philippi, I'm thinking, okay, that's awesome. Thank God the gospel's going forth. Thank God he's got a full supply, right? But then I'm gonna have some, some thoughts come like, okay, but I gave all that away and I'm glad the Lord loves Paul and I'm glad for what he's doing with Paul. And Paul says, but don't forget, you gave and you gave again and you gave again, but that is not the end of the story. And that is not the end of the story. Because you gave and you gave again, I have great abundance. But that is not the end of the story. But it's not just for me. It's not just for one, right? Uh, Verse 19, but my God shall supply why is he say, one reason he's saying this is he experienced it himself. He had need and they met the need so much he sold. I'm fully supplied. I've got more than enough. I'm abounding. I'm abounding. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. Well, there's so much right there in verse 19. According to his riches and glory, how? By Jesus Christ. How's it going to provide this? By Jesus Christ. By your union with Jesus Christ. When you accept Jesus as Lord, you become uh, one spirit with the Lord, Corinthians says. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. In your union with Jesus Christ. In other words, when you... Um, recognize and act upon your union with the Lord. In other words, why will God provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory? Well, it's by my union with Jesus Christ. So, so it's, not, it's not even, it's not even, it's like I got on the Lord's territory. I gave and I gave and I gave again. But it's not like the Lord owes me attitude. It's like, by Jesus Christ, by my union with him. It comes because of, uh, I am giving because I love God, because I want to see the work of God continue, because now I know he multiplies my seed sown. You know, Corinthians, Paul's writing to who? What kind of, what believers, from what city? In Corinthians, he's writing to those from Corinth. In Philippians, he's writing from those from Philippi, right? So in Corinthians, chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Hey, church at Corinth, I don't want you to be ignorant of the grace of God that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia because something miraculous happened in Macedonia. To those believers, I want you to know about this grace because they had great affliction, but the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty welled up and caused them to give generously. And he's like, you got to know about this, Corinth. 
All you believers at Corinth, you got to know about this. Why? Because Paul is yielding to the Holy Ghost and God himself ministers to us by his spirit. And he is saying, I don't want you to have to suffer through any longer. I want you to understand what happens when you sow a seed. Everybody's so quiet today. When you sow a seed. He that sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. He that sows generously, reap generously. Well, when I sow seeds, well, I don't sow a lot of uh, plant seeds. I get the garden ready, and then my wife sows the seeds. But this year I'm going to have to help to make sure the squash gets planted. Because if I don't plant the acorn squash, or if my wife does not plant the acorn squash, it's not going to produce any acorn squash, and I love acorn squash. And if I plant... You know, however many you're supposed to, some seeds you're supposed to plant two or three, but let's just say I plant one acorn squash seed. When I plant that seed at harvest time in August and in September, depending on what month we, we plant it, but it's warm this year, so it'll probably be August. Um, August or September, I'm going to get a lot more than the one seed I planted in the yeah. ground. Yeah, that's good. You understand, it's multiplied. Yeah. But if I don't ever plant the seed in the ground, it's nothing going to happen. Well, the thing is, uh, with the squash is, and pumpkins, the kids always like pumpkins, uh, especially those kind of plants, uh, they have like little vines that go kind of everywhere. So I have to decide where do I want those to be so that they don't encroach on other things because my harvest is going to be so plenteous that I, I, I must have space for this. So I strategically plant those seeds, or in my case, I direct my wife where to plant those seeds, like w which garden. And uh, we have a few gardens. And so, uh, and we're in the garden, so I strategically plant it. So in other words, I'm not just going out there with a handful of seeds to this garden. First of all, I, I till that garden and I prepare the soil. And then when I take the seeds, I don't just be like, okay, I got some green beans. I got some squash. I got some Swiss chard for sure. And I got some carrots. You know, I just throw them all out there. So Paul talks about there in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he's, he's talking about um, giving financially. He calls it seed. It's gospel seed. You understand? When you, when you sow a seed to the Lord, it's for the spread of the gospel. It's for the support of the gospel. You understand, like, I mean, man, if you live back in the time of Jesus, I guess you wouldn't need any money because uh, they didn't have anything. Dirt floors. Paul apparently said, all of my needs. I, I have received from Epaphroditus. He had to eat. He had to sleep. He had to travel. He had to have clothes. Well, so you still have the same type of needs today. Uh, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But my God shall supply. In other words, you've given and you've given again. But don't let that be the end of the story. But my God, I know my God. It's not, uh, Paul's not saying, but I will supply all of your needs. He said, but my God. In other words, you saw how he provided for me through your own hand. You saw how I have great abundance through your own hand, through your own giving. That's not just for me. That's for you. But my God, 
Look at, you're thinking about how I'm abundantly supplied. You're thinking about how you gave and gave again. And you're thinking about how, you know, they gave offerings even for the churches at Jerusalem, for the church at Jerusalem. And you're thinking about all this. But he said, but my God shall supply all of your need. Why is he saying that to them? He cares about them. He cares about their financial situation. God cares about you. He cares about your financial situation. And I think I said last week, you know, if the church doesn't have money, God doesn't have money. Right. Yeah. I don't remember who it was, but there's a, there's a, uh, a particular ministry. They were doing these, uh, some youth ministry uh, endeavors. And uh, a believer who found out about it, who was very financially blessed, said, oh, like they were building two youth buildings in two different cities. He said, we'll pay for all of it. Well, I mean, when's the last time you heard somebody like, uh, that's against the gospel say, hey, I, I, I'll, I'll build your church building. I'll build your ministry center. It's not real common. I don't know of one. I mean, I suppose the Holy Spirit could come on an unbeliever enough at some point to do something like that, but that's not the, that's not the norm. Sure. And in fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that you always have an all-sufficiency in all things can do what? Give into every good work. Praise the Lord. Stand with me. But my God shall supply all of your need. So I'm talking about financial things, but you know, uh, that, that verse is so uh, alive in me right now. I use that verse for everything. Yes. If I feel like a, a sickness try to come on me, I'm just like, hmm, I feel a sickness, Lord. But my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. All my need for divine health, all my need for strength, yes. right? If I feel sleepy, praise the Lord. We, had a, we were at Pastor Mark's leadership conference this week and uh, I, I took a, 9 p.m., basically 8.55 p.m. flight out of here, uh, and then uh, drove till like uh, 2.30 or 3 in the morning their time, which is like 3.30 or 4 in the morning our time, and uh, because of some incident I had uh, in, my, in my body a few years ago, I had thoughts coming like, oh, you, you're, uh, you're not going to function properly and all these type of things, and I said, well, hmm, this is really what I need to do because I've got some responsibilities to do down there, and so uh, I said, no. I'm going to drive straight through. I don't have any problems. You know what happened? Drove straight through. Didn't have any problems. Stayed awake. And then, you know, it's to do with my mind, and then my mind worked just fine. There is such freedom in faith. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is liberty. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. How do you hear? Jesus said to Peter, you are so blessed. Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Tell you what, when you believe what God has said, it will affect your whole life. First of all, first of all, you'll get free inside. And you'll know, like, I, I'm totally set free. And second, you'll see the manifestation of it.
Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. He loves you, has a plan for you. Yeah, he wants to take care of you financially, but first of all, he wants to take care of you in your heart. Uh, the way that you become a believer, you become part of the family of God, is you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead in your heart, not your head. You can believe in your head, but you must believe it in your heart. And then you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You make Jesus the Lord of your life. What you're doing when you're uh, saying that is you're making a declaration from a decision that you've made in your heart. You say, you know what? I might not understand everything that's going on, but I, I know that I need to be saved. I know that I, I want God in my life. I want Jesus to be my Lord. And I'm making a decision today from my heart to do that. When you do that, the Lord will hear your prayer. He'll come in. He'll make you a brand new person on the inside and your life will be changed forever. Uh, and then that's when you'll have the power to stop the bad habits and do all those other things. Not before. Some people, you know, sometimes you think, well, as soon as I clean myself up and start living right, uh, then I'll give my life to the Lord. But I don't want him to be upset with me. No, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, he died for the ungodly. And uh, he actually gives you power to overcome all of those things. And your desires change. So the greatest thing is just to give your life to the Lord. You don't come to him based on what you've done, all of the good things. And you certainly don't not come to him because of the bad things uh, that you've done. Uh, you come based on what Jesus did. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd like to give your life to the Lord this morning, I'd like you to just slip up your hand online in the room. Um, and I'll pray with you and for you. I'm going to say a prayer and then believers are going to pray with me. And if you'd like to be a believer and you're not, uh, you can pray with me. And um, God's going to hear your prayer and he's going to come in. He's going to change your life. Amen. All right, say this. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and make me right with you. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. You are the Lord of my life. Thank you, Father God, for saving me and making me a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer, let us know. You can 